T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to Hurricanes Replay on a Wednesday night. Brought to you by Williamson Cadillac, your premier luxury dealership. Williamson is Miami. Josie, Don Bailey Jr. Saturday, Miami will take on uh, Pittsburgh. 12 o'clock kickoff will be on the air with breakfast at 8 a.m. Who's bringing the scrambled eggs? <laughs> you are. You are. No, I'm an egg guy. I'm an egg white guy, so I'll bring scrambled egg whites. I was thinking more of some quiches, Joe. I, I, I thought you. Would, I would. I would think you would talk about some quiches, man. No, I don't like quiche at all. I like honey nut Cheerios and and Special K. <laughs> I like all the junk food cereals. No, I, no, I don't. No. I, I don't like quiche. I do like okay. pan. I do like pancakes on game day, though. Oh, do you? They put me yeah. to sleep, man. I'm an yeah. I'm an eggs guy. I'll take the eggs. Pancakes keep you going all day. Pancakes they do? for yeah. Pancakes for breakfast. Ha- uh, peanut butter and jelly at halftime. <laughs> Well, I'm with you on the PB&J. There's no question about that. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a brief look back at Clemson. But before we do that, when uh, Saturday, we're halfway home now. Miami's going to play Pittsburgh. Uh, crossing our fingers. You know, you got to go through all the testing. The breaking news of the night was Nick Saban and the athletic director at Alabama, Greg Byrne, both tested positive for COVID. Uh, Alabama's supposed to play Georgia Saturday night. Florida's game against LSU is postponed. The Gators had a bunch of players test positive, so that game is postponed. But Miami and Pittsburgh, so far so good. Uh, Kenny Pickett, however, the quarterback for Pittsburgh, he suffered a pretty bad ankle sprain in their last game. And I don't know if he's day-to-day or if it's a game-time decision. He's a mobile quarterback that has a severely sprained ankle. And the previous game against North Carolina State really got roughed up, took a shot to the head, so he's not going to be 100%. Well, at this time of year, you know, I think we, we saw a little bit of that after the Clemson game. I don't think anybody's 100%. Uh, it's one thing when you've got a lineman or a special teams guy uh, that, that's banged up a little bit. That's to be expected when you're, when you're being challenged with your quarterback being um, questionable. That puts a lot of doubt in your team, especially with Pickett. I mean, that guy has been very, very impressive since the first time we saw him play when he beat Miami. And... Um, you know, Joe, he's he's a tough guy. He's hard to he's hard to to keep out of a football game. He's their second leading rusher. He uh, their their run game. They're trying to uh, their run game basically is attempts because they're not getting a lot of yards running the football. The other thing that would be interesting about this, if he can go, 
the way they design their offense with Mark Whipple, their routes are long developing routes. Well, long developing routes probably aren't real good for a quarterback that's hobbled in the pocket against a Miami pass rush. No, you're right. It takes a little time, and they've got the offensive line that they feel confident in that'll give him time to make those throws. But, you know, part of his game is mobility. And I think if something breaks down, they've always counted on him to be able to pick up a first down or pick up some positive yards with his legs. And and, and he's a crafty kind of guy where, where he plays the game that way. You know, they move him around the pocket, but they are a deep shot team. And that's, you know, Mark, Whoop, Mark Whipple's M.O. So I'm with you, Joe. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Okay, we've built this up for the University of Miami after a loss. Can they rebound? We know for a long time... This has been an issue with the University of Miami. For whatever reason, they've had a tough time digging down and recovering after after a tough loss, and that's what is going to be required on Saturday against Pittsburgh. Now, one of the things that gives me some hope is the effort that Miami is getting from certain players. Uh, number one, Bubba Bolden. I think Coach Diaz told us last night that Bubba played 90 plays against Clemson, so I hope there's a whirlpool. I don't know if you can have whirlpools or ice tubs during COVID, but he would probably need it this week. Joe, I saw him at practice yesterday, and he was running around. I mean, he was <laughs> there was it was like he played nine plays. And, you know, I've been around guys like that and have seen them on my teams and teams over the years. It's I'm not saying it doesn't affect them, but you can't turn them off. You know, there, there's this is what they want to do. They only know how to do it at one level, and they're highly successful at it. And the best thing to do is keep them fed, keep them as rested as you can, and let them go play, man. I mean, that's just what it is. He doesn't want to tap out, and he's probably upset that if you ask him to come out, he's probably not going to listen to you. You know, there's guys that are built like that, and, and he's one of them. And I hope he just becomes contagious. You know, my big thing with him is that's an example of how to play the game that we have not had around on that campus, in my opinion, in a very, very long time. And it's not just playing it fast, it's producing at a level that gets you noticed on a, a nationally or for sure in your conference. And, you know, Bubba has is infused as much energy into that defense as anybody. That's what gives me some hope going into this week. You had leadership like that uh, that can back it up. Now, our replay of the week is uh, a block field goal. And the block was by Jared Harrison Hunt. We're going to hear the block, and DJ Ivy makes a really nice play. He's in the right spot. Uh, Coach Diaz took us through this uh, this past week when we were down on campus uh, looking back at some of the video in a breakdown segment. And uh, Ivy takes it for the touchdown, which we'll hear. And then, Don, breakdown for us. You can, we'll, we'll go inside the play on a particular player that really made a great play uh, on an effort after we hear what happened with DJ Ivy. Okay. 61 yard attempt. Knapp comes back. Potter's block. It's blocked and picked up by Miami. Hurricanes can return this one for a touchdown. Get it's in. Ivy along the sidelines. DJ Ivy will take it all the way for a Miami touchdown. The field goal was blocked. It's a scoop and score. DJ Ivy returns it for a Miami touchdown. How about that? Miami looking to make a play and change the tenor of the game. They block the field goal, a scoop and score. 
with no time remaining in the first half. And Miami gets themselves back into the ballgame. Jared Harrison Hunt blocks the field goal. Ivy scoops it up and scores for Miami. So, in the middle of all that chaos, thankfully, he, he, his back flashed so we could see that it was Ivy and not Wiggins since there were two number eights on, uh, on the team. <laughs> at, at, any, at any rate, uh, in the middle of all that chaos, uh, on the far side of the field, there was Jalen Phillips. Yep. And anybody, uh, any Hurricane fan, if they have this game on video, can go back and look at this, and you will see number 15 Jalen Phillips do what? Joe, he sprints from his from the opposite side of the field, and I he's walking down players, and he is sprinting to try and make sure that he can eventually become the lead blocker for Ivy. Now Ivy had great speed; he wasn't able to catch up, but the the effort that was was put forth on making sure that he finished the play. Most guys in in a situation like that want to be standbys and spectate, where Phillips took it, took the assignment to the T. He followed it 100% through, and he crosses the entire field. He's in a full-blown sprint. And I will tell you, when NFL scouts look at that, whether it's this year or next year, that effort, and he wasn't touch. He didn't hit anybody, didn't touch anybody. That effort will bump you up around. When somebody looks at that and says, nobody's watching. It's not my play. I'm trying to help my teammate. When the NFL sees that, they know what kind of heart is in that guy. They know what kind of player that is just because of the effort. How about this? Coach Diaz, uh, I would imagine, let me uh, go back to your playing days when you were the center and a a team captain. Uh, um, They put this video up uh, in the team meeting. Uh, You've just come off a tough loss. You got to find a way to dig down and win the next game. You show this to the rest of the team. What does it do to the rest of the teammates when they see that kind of effort? Well, it lets you know. It lets you know that you really aren't doing everything you can do. <laughs> it, it proves that you really aren't hustling as much as you can. There's an example of Bubba Bolden on you know playing, and his nose is bloody, and he's asking to play 90 plays. And he's coming off, and he's trying to increase the energy on the sideline. You got Jalen Phillips, who, if he jogged, he would have not been given a minus. If he just ran, he wouldn't have been given a minus. This guy sprinted. He was out of the frame and sprinted to try and lead and help his guy into the end zone. There, they will use those two players as examples of this is how you beat the number one ranked team in the United States of America. You don't do it by jogging. You have to do it with extraordinary effort, and that's what you saw. This week, the Hurricanes will play Pittsburgh. They lead the nation in sacks. They lead the ACC in sacks. Total defense, tackles for losses. The Miami defense was stymied by Clemson on Saturday night. So, back to the idea factory for Hurricanes offensive coordinator, Rhett Lashley. Here's what he said. Coach Lashley's comments on the Hurricanes offense going in to this weekend's game. You know, um, yeah, we've been consistent for the most part. Uh, I think part of it, you got to give Clemson a lot of credit. They're a good football team. I think the other part is we didn't execute really anywhere very well. Uh, we lost pretty much every one-on-one battle there would be, whether it be blocking, whether it be on the perimeter, you know, throwing and catching. Um, you know, I didn't do a good job 
late in the second quarter and specifically in the third quarter of jump starting us and getting us rolling you know we were ever never able to really get in a rhythm offensively and um credit them and and our lack of execution to the reasons for that and that just uh you know kind of snowballed on us and and got away from us um you know i think it's one game just like you can't overreact to the first three games you can't overreact to one game um you know, I think our guys, we've learned a good lesson. We've got to obviously play at a lot higher caliber if you're going to play a team like, like that and, and produce any, any kind of results, much less uh, a lot better than what we did. But, you know, it's one game, like I told the guys, the one game won't define us. Um, it's disappointing. We had an opportunity that we didn't take advantage of. Um, but the most important thing is how are we going to respond this week? we got an excellent pit team coming in here, and uh, we can't let that game beat us twice. Now, that is for sure. You can't let that game affect them twice. Pitt, their uh, secondary, very experienced, Jason Pinnock, has been there for a long time. He's a senior. In fact, they got 30 players with four years or more of experience. Uh, but they're going to try and rough up the Miami wide receivers on the perimeter. We have talked endlessly about the Hurricane receivers having an impact on games. And here's what Coach Lashley said about the Miami wide receivers. Yeah, we got to win one-on-one battles. I mean, it's this is big-time college football, and when you play a game against a team like that, you're going to have to make plays vertically down the field, both with the quarterback throwing and the receivers. And um, you know, there's there's going to be contested throws and catches. You're not going to have guys wide open all the time. And um, we have not done a very good job in the first four games of of completing contested balls vertically down the field. And, and I think it's showing. Like you said, people can stack the box. They can kind of uh, force you into having to do those kind of things, take everything else away. And if you can't hit a few of them, it it, uh, it really puts a lot of pressure on you so there you go and uh there lies the game within the game on saturday uh the the wide receivers are gonna have to make some plays otherwise coach lashley's gonna have to dial up some other weapons well you it makes it difficult because coach lashley wants to run a, a complete offense you know you need to have the running game you need to have the short passing game the intermediate and you need to be able to connect on the long ball Especially if you're playing a pit defense that Coach Narduzzi is known for playing, you know, man coverage all the time. Your corners and your wide, their corners and your wide receivers are going to be one on one. If you're a great wide receiver, that's all you want. You don't want to be double covered. You just want to be able to beat my guy. And Miami has got to prove that, and they're going to have to prove it for 60 minutes because you can't play this game on the outside against Pitt with. I'm going to take go this play hard and this play off because it doesn't happen that way. You may we may go well. Look, what was it last year? I guess it was, or last year we were up there, and um, it took us till the last two minutes of the game to win it. You know, you you had to make we had to make a big play to to win the game at the end last year at the at the 58 minute mark, and that's the that's what this thing is going to be about. I hope that uh, these players and I, they're watching tape, which is a good thing. Realize that Pitt has lost two football games by one point each. They they should be ranked higher than Miami because if they if they, if they, if they their kicker kicks a fifty eight yard field goal and then misses an extra point, if that doesn't happen, they've got one loss and they and they and they lost the other game by one point. Joe, this is an excellent football team. Is in Pitt they were in the preseason before COVID and all this and that they were ranked higher. Then Miami was ranked as far as in the ACC, and I can see why. They've got the experience at quarterback, and they have a head coach that is an outstanding defensive guy, and those guys play hard. 
Miami is a double-digit favorite. Now, the Hurricanes have had a little bit of a revolving door, I think primarily because of injuries at left tackle, but uh, I'm not sure that one is is much better than the other between Zion Nelson and, and John Campbell. I don't know if there's a big separation between the two, but uh, whether it's those two guys or Jared Williams on the other side, they are going uh, to see Patrick Jones, who leads the nation in sacks with seven. The good news for Miami is that those tackles, Zion Nelson, Jared Williams, and John Campbell, they see Phillips, Jalen Phillips every day. Last year they saw Rousseau, and they are seeing marquee pass rushers every day at practice. So they are, at best, they're seeing equivalent to what they're seeing at Miami. Some people would argue that you know Jalen Phillips right now is and Roche are as good as any combination in the country, and and I would agree with that. So the good news is is that Miami's been practicing against highly skilled guys at that position, and they they you know they probably get uh, on Wednesdays, let's say Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays they probably go uh, three or four reps apiece in live one on one pass rush. So they they they're seeing it, and they saw you know look. Uh, Let's say I would say there was some good skill at the defensive end spot against Florida State. I would say there was certainly some very, very good defensive end or pressure and talent that they faced last week against Clemson. They have seen every bit as good as they're going to see, but this is the upper echelon of pass rusher in in the ACC. I'm going to put on my amateur offensive coordinator hat. You ready? Yes, sir. Okay, you always get nervous when I say that. Yeah, you heard me go quiet on you. Yes, you're right. Okay. Here we go. (laughs) I would throw Peyton the ball on a bubble screen. Simple. You want to know why? A thing that they call yak. Well, no, here's why. Okay. Here's why. I think he does pretty well in practice, but he hasn't been able to do much in games because of injuries and whatever else, right? And, and young receivers are like basketball players. A basketball player needs to see the ball go through the hoop. The, 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 the first thing you want to see a young basketball player do is shoot a layup so he can see it go through the net, not a three-point shot. I think for a young receiver, the first thing you want to see them do is catch the ball, have it go into their hands, and then run. I think that the receiver coach, Rob Likens, wants to see any receiver catch the football. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, I'll tell you uh, who's in 88. You know the numbers better than I do. Keyshawn I, I, Smith. I, yeah, he's I, catching the ball. He's Keyshawn Smith is, is becoming more and more impressive as each week goes by. Uh, he was very, he's a very impressive young man at practice and, and starting to get that playing time. And I'm with you, Joe. We saw Peyton – uh, was two camps. Well, his his true freshman camp. Um, you and I both. I think I don't think I'll ever get the 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 memory out of my mind where he he made a catch and did a, a somersault in the air uh, to celebrate it. Somersault. He did about he did about twelve of them. Yeah, he did. He looked like Look, Olga Corbett or something going across the end zone. He. He uh, looked like he hit the trampoline, right? That's okay. I know who you're talking about. And um, so so, the gymnast, yes, the balance beam and the whole deal. Anyway, so, you know, he's a guy that you got to get this talent on. But what you're, I think really what you're seeing is 
he was redshirted last year. You're seeing these guys start to come in and challenge, challenge the existing players, and that's what you want. Yeah, no question. Okay, when we come back on a Hurricane Replay, since the show is replay, earlier today Joe Rose and Zach Krantz spoke with David Hale from uh, ESPN regarding the ACC, uh, also regarding Miami loss to Clemson, and then a look at the ACC. And we'll hear that conversation when we come back. Let me talk to you about Williamson Cadillac. Williamson Cadillac, Ed Williamson, has been a part of Miami's unique community for over 50 two years and Williamson Cadillac serves this community with the same essence that represents the people who live here because Williamson is Miami now the the Williamson's have done so much for South Florida they've been involved in charities of course they've had the dealership involved with the University of Miami they are top shelf but when it comes to luxury automobiles they know what they're doing there as well Ed Williamson his dealership you talk about being top shelf it is the best of the very best. You can experience everything that Williamson Cadillac has to offer with its award-winning lineup. You can make a statement in their unmistakable XT crossovers. They are engineered to stand out. I can back that up. I have the XT4. You can excite your senses in the CT sedan series dedicated to performance. Or here in South Florida, you want to ride in the original icon, the Cadillac Escalade. Visit their state-of-the-art facility, conveniently located at US-1 and 104th Street, just south of the Palmetto Expressway, or view their entire lineup online at williamsoncadillac.com. Williamson Cadillac, your premier luxury dealership. Williamson is Miami. Hurricanes Replay brought to you by Williamson Cadillac, your premier luxury dealership. Williamson is Miami. Momentarily, we'll hear from David Hale. He joined Joe Rose and Zach Krantz earlier today talking about the ACC. Virginia Tech has uh, the number one scoring offense in the league. They're averaging 42 points a game. Notre Dame is averaging 40 points a game. Irish have Louisville. Uh, Cardinals have any chance? Don? they Excuse me, Joseph. Did the Cardinals have any chance? I thought three weeks ago they'd give everybody in the conference a run for their money. As of today, I don't think so. I think, you know, when you, I don't know what's happened to them. I think that they went from the surprise team in the conference last year to the surprise as surprise were not what you thought we would be this year. Um, with the offense that they have, I think they could score against anybody. I think they're very, very potent in their running game. But that defense, they got a lot more out of them last year than they did this year. And I, I just don't think that they got the horses on that side of the football. Notre Dame's giving up 13 points a game, so no chance. If I told you at the beginning of the year that after four games, Florida State would be giving up 454 yards a game, you would look at me like I have two heads. So they're giving up 454 yards a game. They play Carolina at home. Carolina's averaging over 500 yards a game of offense. I think, yeah, Carolina's offense is um, severely underrated. I mean, I think the people that realized what Howell was a quarterback – that, that, that what they were going to get. But to me, they jumped out at me that maybe the second or third best team in the entire conference when I was doing my preseason analysis, and nothing has changed. Um, that they're very, they're very good in the running game. They're balanced. Their quarterback seems to be getting better every single week. And they've got a defense that's, that's not costing them football games. So I'm with you. I'm, I'm with North Carolina all the way. And, you know, Sam Howell is a guy that was 
was committed to Florida State, and uh, Miami would have had to play him twice. It would have had to play him every year, no matter where he would have went. But Florida State sure is uh, is missing him on their roster. Uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech has to play Boston College. Uh, it's a night game. If uh, fans want to check out an uh, up-and-rising quarterback, a guy that is big and strong, it looks like Ben Roethlisberger, and it's uh, Jerkovic at, at Boston College. Uh, Jerkovic's throwing for 295 yards a game, but you can't bring this guy down. I mean, he's you know this, he's like uh, Herbert in, at uh, with the San Diego Chargers or Roethlisberger. He's one of those big, strong, uh, classic quarterbacks. You know, was, I was watching Boston College because obviously Pitt just played them. And I had, you know, you start seeing the numbers in, in Boston College since they're not in the in the coastal side. You, you know, you look at them, but you don't study them quite as much. Well, I was able to watch a, a lot of them on film or on TV. And when I, you start watching this quarterback, Jurgovic, the thing is they're, they're setting everything up for the run. It looks, you know, they got the big offense alignment. They got the giant tight ends. You think, okay, here we go, back to Boston College, and they're going to power through you. Well, it's a little bit deceptive because they, they set the stage like they're going to have a power running game, but this guy can make every single throw. He runs around enough to where he can buy himself the time. But as you and I both know from covering this conference in Boston College forever, they've always got a, a very, very talented offensive line, and nothing has changed. So this guy is a sleeper, and they are playing – a brand of offense that's going to win them more than a break-even season. I mean, that's what Boston College has been the last five years is they're basically a 500 team, and I think this, this they've got the quarterback now to, to take, them, take them up a couple notches. Okay, so for more on the ACC, David Hale from ESPN joined Joe Rose and, Je- and, and uh, Zach Krantz earlier today. Remember that Miami Hurricanes football on the Joe is sponsored by Milam's Market, your football tailgating headquarters at the stadium. And for your home parties, Milam's Market. Joe, we're going to head out to the Toyota of Hollywood hotline right now and speak to David Hale, who covers college football, ACC stuff for ESPN. David, thank you for your time this morning. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. David, uh, so uh, now after what we saw Clemson in Miami, I know you were at the game. Um, now it's find out if this Canes team is different as far as character and and doesn't go with the big hangover for three or four weeks with Pitt coming to town. But your your thoughts overall on what you saw in that game? Uh, You know, I think if you're a Miami fan, there's probably some frustration there because it was not a particularly close contest, I guess. I mean, I think uh, you'd probably have to be a real optimist to have thought Miami was going to go in there and, and win outright. But I think what people more than anything wanted to see was that Miami was at least approaching the level that Clemson has been playing at for a long time, and they didn't get that. Uh, but I think, you know, there's a lot of ways of, of, of viewing it, and I think what it did is it sort of underscored some of the clear areas of weakness that Miami's roster has at this point, particularly, you know, the outside receiver positions where they just could not stretch the field. They could not, uh, you know, get open consistently. Those are big concerns, I think, and, and will be going forward. But I also think, you know, Miami, I thought clearly was a more talented team than we have seen 
the last few years. Uh, you know, Clemson outclasses everybody in the ACC. That, that's not new. Um, so I think to your point, the question is, is, is Miami going to let that game define them, or are they going to be able to move forward and try and stake claim to being the second-best team in the ACC? Um, because I don't think there's any shame in that, and you can still be a pretty darn good team uh, and just not match up super well with Clemson. We we want to let we want to let you know we've been hitting that wide receiver thing. Those right. guys just right. aren't playing at a high enough level. One on one, just this has been going on and just got exposed. But but I do want to ask you this: Is Clemson? I mean, look, look at it. It's full of four and five star guys. Overall, even if they're young guys, we don't know a lot about them. Is it just still? Are they still talent wise clearly better than everybody else, or is it more coaching, or is it a combination for you? I mean, there's certainly a, a little bit of a combination there. I don't think, you know, you, you don't just roll in five-star guys and have them show up on the field and be great. I think one of the things that Clemson's really good at is, is maximizing talent. And there's a number of guys that were out on the field there. Uh, you know, Nolan Turner, their safety, uh, you know, a handful of other guys that were not five-star guys. They were three-star guys. A um, couple of their offensive linemen, you know, that kind of stuff. So, look, it, it's easy to sort of look at the roster and say, Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne and, you know, what are you going to do? And, and there's definitely something to that. Those guys, as, as we saw Saturday, are really, really good. Um, but there's also a pretty good depth of talent, even though a lot of new faces, you know, Andrew Booth, their quarter or their cornerback, who made a, a just spectacularly athletic uh, play in defending one of those deep balls. Um, you know, you can blame the, the Miami wide receivers. I don't think they look very good at all. But there was also a handful of really athletic plays uh, by, by the Clemson DBs, too. And that's, that's not a coincidence. Those guys are really talented. I think, you know, you have probably, aside from at the quarterback and running back spot, fewer of the, the brand-name superstars on this Clemson team than you've had in the last few years, where you might have had Isaiah Simmons or Christian Wilkins or uh, Justin Ross and T. Higgins and those guys that, that everybody knew. I don't know that you've got as many of those guys this year, but I think maybe they might be deeper overall in terms of, of talent and experience. There, there's just a ton of guys that they can rotate through there. And, and you know, the crazy thing is you look at it, and, and they're playing without Justin Ross, who's out for the season. Um, two of their starting defensive linemen, Justin Foster and uh, uh, Xavier Thomas, are were, were neither on the field because they're both rehabbing injuries. I mean, Clemson's doing this without guys that they were planning on having that are five-star guys, and they're still managing to look better than everybody else. David, uh, when you're talking about before, go back to your comment before about did Miami look better than they have looked probably in the past. How much does that have to do with the quarterback? Because in the last couple of years, they've been trying to find that guy, and they have a new system in here, and it looks like a quarterback that fits that system perfectly. Yeah, and I think that's true. And look, I, I think – it'd be one thing to have a little bit better weapons for Derek King. I mean, you can only do what you can do. And I think his, his bread and butter is that he can move and that's great. And he's got a, a world-class tight end in Brevin Jordan. And that's great. But what Brent Venables likes to do as a defensive coordinator and what he's so good at is taking away the things that you feel best about and forcing you to win in ways that you're not particularly comfortable doing. And Miami wasn't able to do that, but there's not going to be a lot of teams that Miami plays this year that are going to be able to t take that approach as effectively as Clemson did. And, and the fact of the matter is, Derek King is a matchup nightmare for most defenses that they're going to face. Um, Brevin Jordan is a matchup nightmare for most defenses that they're going to face. 
Um, it'll be very interesting this week because I think defensively, Pittsburgh is probably the next best defense that they're going to see this year. So I don't know that it goes from like super challenging game against Clemson to push over against Pitt. Pitt has had its struggles the last couple of weeks with a couple of one-point losses, but that's still a really good team. They can get after it up front. They don't need to blitz a ton. Their front four can really get after it. Um, they're good on the back end. Their linebackers can play sideline to sideline. Side are very athletic. Um, you know, all of that I think is going to challenge Miami as well. But again, those are probably the two toughest matchups defensively that that Miami's going to face this year. Does, is it in your mind right now? Just watching all the ACC games, is North Carolina the second best team right now in the ACC? You know, I've kind of I've had a few conversations about this with folks about you know Miami, North Carolina, Notre Dame. Where does this? How does that all fit together? The thing that I will say about North Carolina is, is I think if they don't play well, they can get exposed pretty easily. But I think if they're clicking on all cylinders, I think they might have the highest ceiling. So you look at a team like Notre Dame, and I think we know who they are. You know, the window of what Notre Dame is going to be from week to week is probably not that wide. I think it's a lot wider for Carolina, which means, you know, you might get them and they – you know, totally stink for a week. But I also think that, that the high end for Carolina, they've got three receivers that are just game breaker receivers. They've got two running backs that are tremendous. They've got, I think, probably the second best quarterback in the league in Sam Howell, who can really stretch the field. Um, they've got a pretty darn good offensive line. They're kind of coming around on their pass rush on defense. They're good in the back end when they're healthy. Um, they're obviously a very well-coached team. I think schematically what Phil Longo and their offense has done is unique and really hard to defend. All of that adds up to, I think, if somebody is going to really challenge Clemson, I certainly, you know, if they were playing tomorrow, I wouldn't be picking Carolina. But if you said somebody's going to beat Clemson this year, that I think would yeah. probably be my most likely guess. Well, it's been a hell of a run, man, for sure. David, thank you, buddy, for being Thanks, with David. us this morning. Talk a little bit about the ACC, man. We need a big old bounce back to get rid of that hangover. Nobody likes a long hangover, David. You know that. <laughs> hey, I, that's like six days a week for me, so I'm just, I'm just moving, <laughs> moving ahead. All right. Thank well you, Well done, David. David Hale joining us from ESPN, who covers the ACC college football. Uh, good stuff from him right there. on the Manny Diaz Show. As we continue, Miami and Pitt coming up on Saturday at 12 o'clock. Joe Zagacki, Don Bailey Jr. Uh, Coach, I did mention Bubba Bolden in the last segment. I said he's your, your Jimmy Butler. He's got blood all over his face and a blood coming off his nose, 10 tackles, a couple of blocked field goals. He really does look like uh, he enjoys playing the game of football and just wants to be in on every play. He does, and, and, he, and thank God he does because he about wasn't on every play. I think he played about 90 snaps. <laughs> in that game, which is really remarkable. Um, and there are so many plays of Bubba to be proud of, but I'm telling you, the way, the effort he gives um, on special teams, you know, he's on our punt team, he's sprinting down the field to cover a punt. Uh, the guy gives everything he has for the University of Miami. And um, it's neat, you know, sometimes you don't know, people talk about the, the transfers uh, that we bring in, and, and, and sometimes you can bring in the wrong people. You got to bring in the people that, that – want to be here for the right reasons and they want to help Miami. You know, I mean, they can help themselves, but they want to help Miami. And, and, and Bubba's a guy right now giving everything to, to help out Miami and, and we're much better because of it.
Manny, I think the amazing story behind him is two years ago, he's not playing football, right? Last year, he comes in and has a, a major injury uh, after playing a couple games. And this guy, now you see why he had the five-star rating coming out of, coming out of high school. And, but I, I, don't, I don't think anybody expected the amount of effort that he puts forth on every single play. Right. Well, and, and to be quite honest, we didn't know because, right. like you say, I mean, this is, you know, what is that, 8, 19, 18? got to go back to 2017 where, where this guy really played a lot. That's a long time. So I think he's just getting better every week because he's getting more comfortable just playing in the game every week. And, and so watching him, you know, get more and more confidence. He knows what, what, you know, what we're doing. He can play both of our safety positions, which is enormous. And then, you know, when Amari got, you know, kicked out of the game and, you know, Brian Balaam has to go into the first half in Death Valley, holy cow. You know, Bubba's getting him lined up and, and be able to communicate to the secondary so we're all on the same page. So he, he is really invaluable to our defense. I was going to say, you did have two freshmen play a lot. Brian Balaam had to go in, and Corey Flagg, a linebacker, did a nice job for you. Corey did a very nice job and, and did not seem out of place. Um, both he and Brian, you know, you know, Brian in some coverages had his eyes in the wrong place, but in terms of just running around and tackling, um, you know, those are really, really good football players, highly recruited kids at Clemson's playing with at every position. Um, he didn't look out of place anywhere. And, and then Corey, I think one of the first plays, Corey had one of the harder plays on a middle linebacker. They ran an outside toss with Etienne. He had to beat a block, get in the alley, and makes a great tackle on, on Etienne. So, you know, here you are. You're, you're, you're real, you know, one of your first real actions in college football, and you're tackling maybe the best running back um, this year and maybe in the last few years. So um, great experience that will only help them going forward. Manny, some of that confidence has to come from the 545 strength and conditioning mm -hmm. program in the morning, uh, the fact that they are confident in their plays. I mean, I don't think that people realize there are plays called on defense or assignments that you have on defense. And I, I think that their ability to play early is because they've gotten confidence all from the practice field and everything that comes with it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and that's always the hardest part with young players. We, you know, we have some players in the sophomore class that aren't playing as much as we wish they would, and that's where, you know, missing spring ball was just a big, big deal. So the guys like Corey and Brian that are that are very instinctive, um, you know, very mature and, 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 and have a, a great ability to learn things quickly are the ones that get on the field, some of the ones that have big-time futures but just need more reps, and that's okay. There's been great, great players here and everywhere that have been, you know, similar to that. Um, Losing spring ball really hurt their development because you just need to get in the game in scrimmages and make those mistakes and understand, and, and then off you go. I mean, we, we even our training camp wasn't as uh, you don't practice as many practices as you had in a normal training camp. So, you know, it's it's funny. We get in the season and, and it, it all feels normal. There's still nothing normal about 2020, and um, and we're just lucky that we're you know we're playing games every week, and I'm proud of our guys for giving us that opportunity. Uh, Pittsburgh's coming in here. They've lost the last two games, basically the last play of the game. And uh, probably would turn any coach's hair gray. They kick a 58-yard field goal to go to overtime, then miss an extra point. Uh, I know no sympathy. You've been down yeah, that we, road we, with I kickers. Uh, but th they don't allow you to run. It's like 60 yards a game, 58 yards a game. Paris Ford's a really good safety. Uh, Rashad Weaver's a really nice defensive lineman. Uh, Pittsburgh's defense, the challenge there is what? The challenge there is great. Um, I know this is a big deal for you, Joe. If you look at their – and, Don, you look at their depth chart on defense and just look what class their players are in. They are filled with redshirt seniors and redshirt juniors. They have fourth- and fifth-year guys in their program all over their two deep. They're very old. They're very experienced. They've seen it, they've seen it all. Um, 
their defensive ends are better than Clemson's defensive ends. Their safeties are better than, than Clemson's safeties. I mean, and and, Clem, and Clemson's got really, really good players. But I, that's how highly I think of, of Pitt's guys. They are uh, very, very disruptive up front. As you mentioned, numerically, they're going to put as many people as they can fit um, as close to your line of scrimmage as possible. And they're going to play tight man coverage on the outside, and they're going to dare you to throw it. I mean, that, it's, you know, Pat Narduzzi's been a great defensive coach since his time at Michigan State as a coordinator. He believes in what he does. They know the issues. Um, sometimes they give up big plays, but sometimes they don't. And when they don't give up big plays, it's hard to stay on the field against them because there's never any easy offense. And uh, if you think about the games we've played against them the last three years, they've generally been low-scoring affairs, mm-hmm. um, a lot of back and forth, you know, and, um, you know, and, and it's going to be a game where everything's going to matter because when you get an opportunity to make a big play, you've got to take it. Coach, their offensive coordinator is Mark Whipple. He was at the University of Miami for some years, and he's a wide-open guy, was with uh, Big Ben and the Steelers and has been a head coach, very experienced guy. And and Pickett, their quarterback, he doesn't seem like he's afraid of anything. He'll take any chance. He'll run it. He'll do whatever there ha- whatever has to be done to win a game. Yeah, he's, he's tough as nails, competitor, um, our fourth time going against him. You know, so, again, we, the, we talk about experience again. Um, they got a very experienced offensive line. Um, where they're where they're young is actually where they've got some more exciting talent. They've got they've got some speed at wideout, maybe more than they've had um, in the last couple of years. So um, yeah, I mean, anytime you've got a fourth year quarterback, an older guy who's, who's been there and seen it all, he's a guy that the whole team can obviously rally behind and trust. And and uh, but they are designed to not have to get a whole lot of points to win the game. They don't you know they don't want to get into you know forty four to forty shootouts. You know you know Pat's very comfortable winning the game. You know, seventeen fourteen, which he thought he was going to do a year ago. Even a year ago, you know, he thought they were they were going to win the game thirteen to twelve or whatever it was before we scored there at the end. So um, it's going to be a, it's going to be an immense challenge for our guys, and um, you know, and, and and it's going to be a game. It's ACC football. Well, here we go. Yeah, you have to imagine they come in with a bit of desperation. Okay, and here we go. So it'll be a good game on Saturday. Uh, Pittsburgh has not scored a touchdown against the University of Miami in the last two years. On the way out, let me talk to you about Williamson Cadillac. Ed Williamson and uh, Williamson Cadillac, a part of Miami's unique community for over 52 years. And Williamson Cadillac serves this community with the same essence that represents the people who live here because Williamson is Miami. Now, Ed Williamson, through those 50 years, has fostered goodwill and pride in service. And Ed Williamson, his lovely wife, Carol, they are well-known in this town, and they are known for integrity and honesty. That is a standard. The main idea is talking about setting a standard at the University of Miami. There's been a standard set at Williamson Cadillac. Every year, Williamson Cadillac upholds service and sales standards that earn industry and community accolades. Now, if you are looking for the perfect ride, I suggest Williamson Cadillac. And you can check out everything that Williamson Cadillac has to offer with its award-winning lineup. You can make a statement in their unmistakable XT crossovers engineered to stand out. How about the CTs, the sedans, the CT4 Dynamic, the CT5 has power and speed. Or perhaps your perfect ride is in the original icon, the Cadillac Escalade. You can visit their state-of-the-art facility conveniently located at US 1 and 104th Street just south of the Palmetto Express way or view their entire lineup online at williamsoncadillac.com williamson cadillac your premier luxury dealership williamson is miami t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours 
And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.